Welcome to Preach the Word Podcast. My name is Ashton McDonald, and I am your host. On today's episode, we bring you a sermon from December 12th of 2021, shared by Pastor Shad McDonald from Matthew chapter 16. And the sermon is entitled, The Church That Jesus Built. I hope you enjoy the sermon, and if you would like to stay up to date with our most recent uploads to the podcast, please subscribe. You can also share these podcast episodes by tapping the share button. Listen as Pastor McDonald relays to us how it is always better when we keep our priorities in proper order and we keep church in the center of our life. Matthew chapter number 16. My scripture text will be from verse number, beginning at verse 13. Matthew 16, 13. If you're there, say amen. Matthew 16, 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed Art thou Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven? And I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I'm looking at verse 18, if you'll see that, please. Jesus speaking, and I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Notice those words, Jesus said, I will build my church. So if the Lord will stand by me, I just want to label that line, the church that Jesus built. My message tonight is to reestablish and reaffirm and maybe refresh your faith in the church that Jesus built. We uh, were there at the house the other day and I was helping Kathy with the Christmas decorations and she has a beautiful porcelain Victorian village that we purchased in 1999 when we were in Texarkana. And uh, it's very, very beautiful. And it's got some little small fragile pieces. And there's various Victorian buildings. And, oh, it spreads probably about seven feet across. And so as I opened the biggest box and... I said, well, here's one. I don't know which one it is. As I pulled that porcelain building out of the box. And she said, that's the church. It always goes in the middle. <clears throat> I cataloged that and put it away. 
And I wanted to remind you that our lives go better when church is in the middle. Uh, Henry Ford was once asked about that first quality vehicle that he built, the Model A, and they asked him one time about, why don't you change? He said, well, if you got a good thing going, why, why change it? And, and so they asked him about the first-rate quality of how he built that car, and he said these words. He said, it's built right because it's got my name on it. Hallelujah. I want to tell you this church that Jesus built is a church that's built right because it's got Jesus' name on it. And, and I want to say that I love the church. I'm not disillusioned. I'm not discouraged. I'm not disenfranchised. I'm not looking for an excuse to detach myself or divorce myself. Or There's not anything that's happened in my life to make me disappointed with the church. Uh, if ever my heart is established, if ever my faith is rock solid, it's today because my faith and my trust is in Jesus who built the church. Now, they claim that the rock of Gibraltar ascends some 1,390 feet above the water level there at the Strait of Gibraltar. However, geologists declare that actually the rock Gibraltar is upside down. They claim that something cataclysmic happened long years ago when the African uh, continent moved north and the European continent moved south and there was a collision when those two points came together and the tip of it broke and it turned Gibraltar upside down. Do with that what you may, it don't matter. Gibraltar may be upside down, but the church that Jesus built is on an impregnable rock that can never be moved and it can never be changed. And I'm glad that my life and my faith is built upon the rock Jesus Christ. Um, Peter here makes this proclamation. And Jesus begins to address him concerning what Peter said. And in regard to the church, let me begin by saying Jesus is the sole originator of the church. Peter didn't build the church. Jesus built the church. Paul contends in Colossians 1.18 that Christ is the head of the body, the church, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Paul makes it clear that Jesus Christ is everything to the church. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 1.22 that he is the head over the church. Now anything without a head is dead. And anything with two heads is a monster. So the church has one head and that head is Christ. You see Christ is the person who gives meaning to the church. Christ is the one who gives us relevance. He's the one that gives us purpose. Without Christ why would we come? Without Christ, what would be the need to have church? He gives us the pledge of his presence. And he said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. 
May I say please that Christ is the person who gives meaning to the church. Now if the world stands long enough, the time will come when I'll vacate the pulpit. I'll have gone the way of all the earth. Somebody else will take my place and the church will roll on. But friend, the church can continue without me and the church can continue without you. But the church cannot continue without Jesus. He is alone and altogether the only indispensable. You see, I am not insignificant in that each one of us are important in measure. Each one of us has our place. But none of us are irreplaceable. Only Christ is irreplaceable. And I said all that for you to be reminded that the reason why Landmark is here is because Jesus is here. A church cannot be built upon human personality. A church cannot be built on human preferences. A church cannot be built out of contention. A church cannot be built because we've become divisive and we have disintegrated and somehow or another because of a belief or an idea or a conviction or an opinion Somebody wants to go up the road and just have another church. It's got to be built upon Jesus Christ. If it's built upon your ideology, if it's built upon your thought system or something that you have uh, comprised and said, this is why we need to have a church, that will fail and that will fracture and that will fragment. But if the church is built upon Jesus Christ. That is a rock that cannot be moved. That is an impregnable fortress that Satan cannot tear down. And I say, landmark, make sure, amen, that your hope is anchored in Jesus. Because if you're not anchored in Jesus, you'll surely drift away. But I'm glad my faith is in Jesus. Jesus is the one that gives meaning to the church. And very honestly, everything else pales and fades away. Everything else is insignificant. Everything else is utter meaningless without Jesus being the very center of the circumference. Everything must revolve around Him. Everything must center upon Him alone. And oftentimes the reason worship is somewhat difficult at times and we may feel ourselves dragging and, and just, you know, a little bit tired and... <coughs> Things may seem tedious. It's because maybe we have forgot who and what church is all about. Notice Jesus says, whom do men say that I am? And they name numerous prophets. 
But those were mere men at best, and all of them had falterings and failures. But Peter took it to a higher level when Jesus said, But whom do ye say that I am? And he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Friend, when you put Jesus where he belongs, worship comes easy. When you put Jesus where he belongs, nobody's got a pump and prime to get you to worship God. There's nothing else that wants to <clears throat> that will occupy your time. You won't get distracted. Amen. With something else going on, but your focus is fully upon the Savior. Would anybody like to worship Jesus in the house tonight? Does anybody recognize? Does anybody understand the reason I come to church? It's to worship and put Jesus where he belongs. You see, when you get Jesus where he belongs, church is not hard. Our opinion of who Jesus is affects our attendance and our appreciation and our attention. For the house of God. And there's many families. Many lives that are lacking in appreciation. Attendance and attention. To the things of God. But when Jesus really means everything to you. Then you put the proper premium on Jesus' church. Amen. The person who gives meaning to the church. And the people who are the material of the church. <coughs> and this is what's beautiful about the church. The assembly, the church of the firstborn. Uh, this church is built with people. What kind of people? What kind of people does Jesus use to build his church? Now, perhaps you have heard the expression, the visible church and the invisible church. The visible church just simply means in some the present church, the church now, the church that is now, the church that is living, breathing now. But there's also the invisible church. There are those that sleep in Jesus. They are those that have gone the way of the grave. We don't see them, but they're part of the church. And then there is the prospective church. There are those yet that will be saved. Hallelujah. There are those yet that will be born again. I don't know who's going to sit on them pews. I don't know who's going to fill them seats. I wish the Lord would make me a preacher. You see, the invisible church is those that have been and those that are yet to be. But Christ says, I'm going to have me a church. Hallelujah. And the reason I'm here is because somebody back behind me yesterday said, I'm going to be faithful and I'm going to go to church. And because they went to church I get to go to church and I'm going to keep going to church because I want somebody down the road to have a church to go to. I'm big on church. I'm big on church. I'm big on worship. I'm big on being faithful to the house of God. <laughs> uh, who are the people? What kind of people are they? Well, this is what Paul said and I'm in 1 Corinthians 6. And verse number 9, Know ye not 
that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. That's who Jesus uses to make up his church. Not, not many noble, not many mighty, but he took us that were unwanted, he took us that were unclean, and us that were unwashed. And aren't you glad he washed us? Aren't you glad he cleaned us up? Aren't you glad we that were one time foul, we one time that were obscene, we that were one time wicked and iniquitous, nobody wanted us, amen, but the Lord passed by and he said, live he said, I saw you when you were unwashed. I saw you when you were filthy. You were in the putrefaction of your sins. But I come by and I said, live. And no wonder John, amen, when he is on Patmos, he gets the revelation. And he said, and unto Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us in his own blood. You see, without his blood, I couldn't have got in the church. Without his blood, I couldn't have got washed. Without his blood, I couldn't have been cleansed. But he washed me, and he cleaned me up, and he gave me a white robe, and he put me in his church, and I owe him some praise tonight. I'm glad to be part of his church, amen. Oftentimes, we become mechanical, and church becomes monotonous and mundane, and we find it just ordinary and onerous, and as if it's a bed of a dread and a drudge. Church again, friend, if it wasn't for church, you and I'd be in hell. I think I'll stay with church. <laughs> Hallelujah. You see, right now where you're at, you, you don't think of yourself without church. You're here. And due to maybe the fact that you do have an affinity and an appreciation for church. Or maybe, maybe it's obligation. But whatever it is, for one reason or another, you're here. But if you do not grow in your love and your endearment for the Jesus of this church... Eventually, you'll find yourself out of church. Amen. And that's why we need to fall in love with Jesus all over again. And I'm back to the cliche that I've coined here lately. Faith makes all things possible. Love makes all things easy. Do you feel yourself a little bit sometimes begrudging? As if it's too demanding, too tiresome, 
Maybe what you need is to fall in love with Jesus all over again. Can you remember when you first got saved? You didn't get enough of church. When you first got saved, the preacher couldn't have preached it too tight. When you first got saved, you were hungry. When you first got saved, you were ready for anything that God had. But now you're somewhat suspicious. Now you're somewhat withdrawn. And you become stoic and cold and cynical and callous. Amen. And you don't appreciate the privilege to be in the house of God. I wonder if I could get one more hallelujah. I wonder if I could get one more amen. You're glad to be in church. You're glad to be in the house of God. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Somebody ought to praise him. If it wasn't for church, I'd be hell bent and hell bound. But thank God for the church. Thank God for the lighthouse. Thank God for the light that shine. I'm glad I'm not in hell and I'm glad I'm part of the church. Amen. <clears throat> Jesus is the sole originator of the church. It's his church. We are the body. We are the body of the church. And he purchased us in his own blood. We everyone belong to him. Uh, let, let me go a step further. I contend that Jesus is the sole originator of the church. I want to say that Jesus is sovereign in the operation of the church. Jesus is able to keep his church going. There is progress that will be achieved. After the day of Pentecost, the Bible said, And the Lord, the Lord... Added to the church daily, such as to be saved. Now, Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18 is the first time you'll see the word church. It's ecclesia, which means the called out. Jesus said, upon this rock I'll build the church. And then chapter 2 of Acts, the Holy Ghost falls. Peter preaches 3,000 souls are saved and the record declares and the church was added to daily such as to be saved. And the Lord's been adding ever since. Come on here now. I want to tell you church, the Lord is going to add to his church. Don't worry about how it's going to go and grow and glow. Don't worry about how God's going to get it done. I can't save nobody. I can't pull nobody out of the pit. I can't wash nobody's sins. All I can do is preach to them Jesus. And if I'll preach to them Jesus, Jesus will add to the church. I'm glad, amen, that when I was a sinner, amen, conviction fell on my heart. And I bowed at an altar of repentance. And I met God in the free pardon of sins. And he added me to the church. Amen. When I didn't have hope. Amen. When I was lost and lonely and hell bound, Jesus saved me and he loved me and he added me to the church. I'm glad to be part of the church. Amen. That's the progress to be achieved and the purpose to be accomplished. So, Brother Shad. Why is it so important? Why 
do we make such emphasis about the necessity and the need of the church? What is the purpose to be accomplished of Christ in the church? What is it that the Lord desires to do? Look at Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 27, that he might present it to himself. What? A glorious church. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Anybody want to say amen? That's the purpose of Jesus giving himself for the church. He loved the church and gave himself for it. He did not give himself for a church that would be adulterating and two-timing. Come on here now. He did not give himself for a church that would commit adultery with this world, but he made up the church that it would be holy that it would be chaste that it would be pure anybody want to shout amen he made us to be a holy people he didn't save us to be worldly he didn't save us to be lustful he didn't save us to pursue and seek after the things of this world amen but he called us not unto uncleanness but unto wholeness and Paul declared and said and unto him let there be glory in the church I think somebody ought to give him glory in the church I think it's time the church realizes I owe him glory by my lifestyle by my lip service by my love and everything I do somebody ought to give him glory in the church somebody ought to realize he's the one that built the church He's the one that put you in the church. And you need to be glad you're part of the church. Somebody ought to give him glory in the church. Hallelujah. Jesus is sovereign in the operation of the church. Hear me now. One more thing before I go to my seat. Jesus is the sole originator of the church. Jesus is sovereign in the operation of the church. Last, Jesus is sure about the outcome of the church. For Jesus said, upon this rock, and I want you to hear what he said, I, get that one, not Shad, not Dustin, not Jonathan, Jesus I will, oh hallelujah, I will, I will build, hallelujah, I will build, possessive now, my church, hallelujah. That's what Jesus said he would do, and do that, he did, <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> and so the world over, 
of every nation, of every tongue, of every kindred. And John said, I saw a number which no man could number. Myriads of millions, teams of trillions, the vast multitude of eternity past and time to come, all the ransom, the redeemed, all the blood bought. John said, I saw a number. Who's that? That's the church. Hallelujah. Woo! And somewhere in that number, I intend to be. And Jesus said, upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Jesus is sure about the outcome of the church. <coughs> Barna Research, if their numbers are right, <coughs> research organization, <coughs> Barna Research contends that due to the COVID pandemic, that two of five churches in America will close. I don't know how many denominations will fold up shop. I don't know how many how many churches will padlock the doors. But my friend, there may be denominations that fold. But my, may I say the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is still going on. And like a mighty army marches the church of God. They will always be a church. Don't you doubt that. Now there are a lot of people that have questions. And they wonder, amen, will the church prevail? Will the church triumph? Jesus said this, from the days of John the Baptist till now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. I'm in the 11th chapter of Matthew, verse number 12. And he said, from the days of John the Baptist till now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent taketh by force. Yes, there is the prospect of conflict. That is inevitable. We will have controversy we will have conflict and there will be contention and there will always be squabbles but in spite of the squabbles and divisions amen no matter all of that Jesus is always going to have a church he died for that church he shed his blood for that church he arose again on the third day for that church and Jesus is always could somebody say always he's always Always gonna have a church. <clears throat> the prospect of conflict is inevitable, but the promise of our conquest is indomitable. We will conquer. As a matter of fact, if you want to take time, go to the Revelation and read chapter two, and then read chapter number three, and you'll read John's writing to the seven churches of Asia Minor. And there's a single word in every one of those letters that assures me that Christ is going to have a conquering church. And that word is overcometh. To every one of them churches, he lets them know there's somebody in the church that's going to overcome. I know you can say that there have been seven successive church ages, and now we are in the culmination of that last Laodicean church. Or you can even say that this last day church is comprised of all dispensations 
nations of the seven churches. Ever how you want to look at it. But he also said in chapter 21. To him that overcometh. I want to tell you somebody is going to come out. Somebody is going to overcome. And John said who are these that are under the altar. And he said I'll tell you who them are. Them are they that have washed their robes white in the blood of the Lamb. Somebody, amen, is going to conquer. Somebody is going to triumph. I'm glad I'm part of the church. So just in case you're one of those that have lost your reverence and you've lost your sense of respect for church, maybe you need to rewind and go back and think of the precedent that our parents and our forefathers put on the things of God and the house of God. Church, when I was a boy, was a big thing. My dad was a drunk. He got gloriously saved. He had three TVs, three TVs in his house. He had one in the kitchen, one in the living room, and one in the bedroom. Daddy got saved. He threw all three TVs out. We went to church. And when we went to church, we behaved ourselves in church. We respected church. We went to church. I know this is not proper with all this COVID stuff. We went to church sick and got in the healing line. Was that the best wisdom? I don't know, but we went and we're still here. You remember when you used to go to church sick to get prayer? Now we just stay home sick. I just sapped all the hallelujah right out of it. But I mean, you know, you go to work sick, but you can't come to church sick. You know, and, and so church is... Just something that we're nonchalant and we're casual and, and we don't really appreciate the importance of, of church and what goes on at church. Uh, I remember when I was, uh, when I was young, I, I'd go to church and, you know, kids watch people. They had old brother so-and-so and when the Spirit of the Lord would get on him, his antics and his actions were a certain way. And, and uh, so we'd get home and um, we'd have a little preaching, a little singing. Everybody had their particular person in the church that they would imitate. Yeah. But I'm a lot older now. And I've climbed a few hills. And I've weathered a few storms. And I got my own story to tell. And he gave me my own shout. <laughs> I don't play church no more. <laughs> you didn't get it. Rewind back up. Give you another shot at it. I said, I've been down a few mountainsides. 
I've been through a few valleys. I've weathered a few storms. And I've got my own story to tell. And he gave me my own shout. I don't play church no more. <laughs> and maybe the reason why you don't get anything out of it is you're playing church. You're just play acting. Amen. You're going through the mechanics and the motions. But would anybody like to come to church? I'm talking about more than just come in the door. But I'm talking about come to church to have church. Could anybody wave at me? Could anybody shout amen? Don't you understand? If it wasn't for church, your marriage would be busted. Don't you understand? If it wasn't for church, your children would be out like and living like hellions. Amen. Dying lost. Amen. But he showed me some love. And he showed me some mercy. And he put me in the church. And that's why I come to church to church. I'm going to behave myself in church. I'm going to act like I am in church. I'm going to sing in church. I'm going to pray in church. I'm going to worship in church. Are you helping me have church? I want to tell you I'm preaching about the church that Jesus built. And we need to act like we appreciate his church. And we need to put church where it belongs and give him the worship that he deserves. Amen. Stay with me all over the house. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this people. And I thank you, Lord, that you've put us in the church. And I thank God that you have saved us, washed us, and put us in this place. And we give you praise and honor and glory and worship in the house tonight. Your heads are bowed. My, my point in preaching tonight is to reaffirm to reestablish and to refresh you in your heart and mind upon how relevant and important church is. And when we come to church, let's come to have church. Let us be reminded that there may be a sinner in the service. And which of us would want to be a distraction or a hindrance? You all should nod loud. Come on, nod your head up and down real loud. It's his church. And we ought to come to have church. We come to worship and put him high where he belongs. Your head's bowed. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a chance to do a checkup. Have you, been be have you been coming begrudged lately? Have you come somewhat just out of a sense of duty and there's no anticipation, no expectancy? Somehow and other things that are needful have took priority. And I know that there's so many things, especially during this pressing time, the holiday season. And somehow another church just gets elbowed out of the way. 
you'll find time for your shopping. You'll find time for your parties. You'll make time for your festivities and your fun and all your frolicking and your fellowship. You'll, you'll find time for that. But well, if church has to slide, let that go. What if everybody had that mentality? What if I come to church with the attitude some of you come with? Sit, have sleep, look on your phone, text. Is it any wonder that the sinner can get up and walk out unsaved? Look at all the distractions they had to look over. 10,000 things going on while the preacher's preaching. My message to us tonight is come to church to church. Have church. And let's make church what church ought to be. Now, am I preaching you the truth or not? You parents are to be an example. You are to be the ones with your hands up. You are to be the one worshiping. You are to be showing the children how to make church, church. Brother McDonald, I want to be that example. I'd like to be that one that others could look to and say, now that's how you have church. If that's your desire, I want you to meet me in this altar.